3CR would like to acknowledge the Kulin Nations, true owners, caretakers and custodians of the land from which we broadcast. 3CR respects, pays respects to elders past and present of the Kulin Nation. We recognise their unceded sovereignty. This is 3CR Breakfast. Alternative news, analysis and current affairs. Monday to Friday, 7am to 8.30am. Good morning, everyone. You are listening to Wednesday Breakfast here on 3CR Community Radio. Today's date is the 30th of January. I am Will. I'm Edwin. And yeah, you're you're listening to the last um, last Wednesday of January. Oh, <laughs> got no more ja- Wednesdays in the left. No, ah, that was no, really no, hard no. to say. Don't worry, we're on to February. Well, will following on from last week. Oh yeah, goodness. Hopefully, this uh, heat run that we're in will fade out. Mm. I'm sick of 33 degree, de- 35 degree days and three in a row. Today's going to be 35, 36 is what I hear with a um, late of set of showers. Yeah. Around five o'clock is what they're saying. I believe but so. We'll have that update. Though. Yeah, yeah. At the moment, it's a pleasant, cool morning, mm. nice and dry, beautiful kind of yellowy, pinky <laughs> thing going on with the dawn. And good, good sunsets. Yeah. Good sunrise. Thoughts. <laughs> That's something they never really include on the um, on the, the weather report in the mornings is telling you how beautiful the sunrise is. It'd be good if, like, for five minutes they were just like, oh, and by the way, we had a banger sunrise this morning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we yeah. had the full pinks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, oh, it's a very Dutch morning today. So the Dutch impressionist, it's a bit grey. We had some oils this morning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, um, like so how have you been? Um, I've been pretty good. I'm just trying to rack my brains of what's been happening this week. This week mm. feels like the first real week back, mm. <laughs> which is very lackadaisical for me to say. But like, um, I've been on holiday, of course. So this first week feels like oh, suddenly routines like hit back. Mm. I'm all of a sudden again following the rules of the day <laughs> mm. rather than getting lost in somewhere in the week. Yeah. How about you, Will? Yeah. Um, I had a job interview. Oh. Um, it's at the same place that I currently work, but it's for a different position, and I think it went okay because nice. I didn't leave crying, so, so that <laughs> was nice. That's always a win. Yeah, yeah, yeah and definitely. then um, had a couple of great interviews for this show today, and I'm look- looking forward to sharing yeah. them. But last night, I went along with some other 3CR folks to speak up, I Can't Hear You, a panel discussion on storytelling at LGBTQIA plus communities, um, and it was run by Switchboard. Um, and we saw people recording. So if you go to the oh, Switchboard wow. website, then you'll be able to catch um, Dr. Lou Bennett, who's a Yorta Yorta Jajawarung, um educator, singer-songwriter, um, writer, academic, um, fantastic person to listen to. Um, Christos Chelkas, who a lot of people will know from uh, having written The Slap and Barracuda and oh, things like course, that. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, and then we've got Dr. Carolyn DeCruz, who's, uh, who works in gender, sexuality and diversity, and she's also a writer as well as an academic. And um, they were really great to listen to um, mm. and their perspectives on the importance of storytelling. And I think um, something that was kind of different, I'm still not 100% on, um, on how I felt about this, but a lot of the time they didn't talk very directly about sexuality in storytelling. And I think part of that was towards sort of centering that that perspective mm. in, in the conversation that was had last night. Um, 
like they weren't always saying well as a gay man or yeah, you yeah. know as a as a queer person um, um and part of that was um rejecting the imposed identities um the externally imposed this is what that means so if you're yeah, a you guy who likes guys label. then you are a gay man sort of thing yeah. um and and that was an interesting perspective as well because that's not something that i've really considered for myself i suppose I i've suppose. always kind of minoritized myself but i don't know um mm. um yeah, it was it was an interesting conversation to hear. Yeah. I'm still processing it. No, that definitely. That that sounds like it's a bit of food for thought. Yeah, yeah. So um, if you're interested in hearing more about that, go to the Switchboard website, which I uh, will mention later in the show, because they also have a have a fundraiser. They have a funding shortfall of about three hundred thousand um, dollars, which is specifically for their out and about camp um, program, which uh, reaches out to. LGBTQIA plus mm. elders um, and combats social isolation, um, oh, wow. which in a sort of Western system can happen quite early um, mm. as you age. And um, this is funding that has been redirected by the government to a, a mainstream organisation, which um, which doesn't oh. really look at queer issues in particular. Yeah. And so, yeah, Switchboard needs that funding, three hundred thousand more dollars. So. Yeah. Yeah, if you if you can up. donate, go over to Switchboard's website, which will be spruiking throughout the show. Yeah, definitely. No, that sounds amazing. Mm. Well, coming up, we do have an amazing show. Uh, we got mm. a lot of cover. We got some coverage from Invasion Day. Yeah, will that's right. Yeah, I went to the dawn service um, on on the twenty sixth mm. on Invasion Day. It was organised by Lydia Thorpe, who's a you know a fantastic speaker and mm-hmm. um, just a really good focal point for the community because there are all of these great. Um, people who were there, um, including Jai Degalpalil, who I interviewed um, just after he ran, um, he maintained the fire and um, led the smoke ceremony. So um, that was it was really great to hear his voice. Yeah, um, totally. And then after that, we're going to be speaking to Luke Sinclair from Sticky Institute, who's coming into the studio today. Yay. Sticky <laughs> Institute, for folks at home who don't know, is a focal point of Melbourne's zine culture. Um, zines are self-published um, little sort of pamphlets that are... Magazines of you know, salt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they really um, are a great sort of way of it for young people and queer people and mm. disabled people and all sorts of people. All sorts of activists, I think. All sorts of activists, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the people who are activists and people who aren't as well. Yeah, totally. To, to tell their stories because mm. it's a not a mediated kind of mass medium. It's actually very small press. Yeah, like yeah, Like it's definitely. a photocopier. In fact, the Festival of the Photocopier <laughs> is coming up, and so we'll be talking about that as well. Um, later on the show, we'll be hearing from Mojgan Moarefizade, who is a refugee who's currently based and stuck in Jakarta, um, and talking about the impact of Australian um, refugee policy and foreign aid policy on the people who are stuck in limbo in, in Indonesia where they don't have rights mm. or um, uh, pr- prospects at increasing quality of life um, as we hope to in here in Australia. Now, at 8 o'clock, who are we speaking to? 8 o'clock, we're speaking to Candy Bowers, and we're going to switch a little bit more, again, following the zine kind of theme, mm. uh, we're going to go a little bit more of a cultural look mm-hmm. uh, at, a, you know, Melbourne, what's going on in Melbourne. So she'll be promoting her show, uh, Moisturise and Decolonise. Mm. <laughs> I'm excited for this. a lot of fun. We were talking about um, self-care and that sort of thing exactly. last week, and so, so what's, what's this conversation going to be this about? This conversation is all about self-care, uh-huh. um, but self-care, uh, as Candy describes, as a tool of survival. Mm. Um, and so she's going to talk about how we need to, uh, I don't know, look after our, our identity mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of, yeah, support, promote our identity, protect it, that sort of thing. 
I am excited. So uh, I'm, ex- I'm very excited to break down what self-care means. Hmm. Um, I've gone and found a few people's uh, opinions of it, so I found a few definitions. Awesome. Hmm. Okay. Well, the time right now is 8 past 7. We'll be right back with Alternative News. You're listening to 3CR. You are listening to 3CR Community Radio Wednesday Breakfast. Uh, this is Alternative News. Um, now, what is the function of Alternative News? It's supposed to be where we dissect the mainstream media and talk about what's going on. But to be honest, I don't read the mainstream <laughs> media anymore. It's just not for me. No. Um, I read Indigenous X, um, for example, as one of the places where I source my news and, um, news and opinion and anal- analysis, indigenousx.com.au. Um, and this week, um, I was reading, well, I mean, not this week, just yesterday, I was reading an article, um, written by, uh, Dr. Amy Thunig, who is a, um, associate lecturer at Macquarie University and a proud Gamilaroi woman. And she was talking in response to people who dismissed the Invasion Day march and the protest against Australia Day. Um, that happened fairly recently. Well, it happened this past weekend. Um, so first of all, she, she talked about the experience of being at the marches and how, um, how heartening it was to see so many allies, um, out there, um, and the strength that they gave her to know that these protests are growing year on year. Um, the, the people who talk about these protests as being pointless, um, fail to recognise in, in her in her writing, um, she says that they fail to recognise that the protests are growing, for one, um, and that uh, that the people who turn up to these protests are political people who have thoughts and opinions and who are educated. And um, I just think that's, you know, it's easy to be kind of cynical about people who turn up for a one-day protest. In fact, some of this was voiced at the, the dawn service. There were some people who at the sidelines, um, sort of commented on how there are all these people who are just going to turn up for one day mm. and they'll never come back again. Um, and um, I, I think there, there's some truth to that. Some of the people will only turn up for this one day. But mm. um, it was Gary Foley at the at the march who commend, com- commended us not to rest on our laurels, mm. not to be self-satisfied with the, the the thing that we had done on that day, which is to march, um, yeah. but to go out and find 10 people to talk to about um, the the fact that we need to change the nation, mm. not just the date. Definitely. And I think there's a great quote with that, which is something like, um, mm. you don't get a cookie for just kind of advocating against injustice. It's mm. kind of that idea of like, you don't get a, a cookie or a thumbs up for just doing what should be the bare basic mm. and mm. the kind of like, yeah. Yeah. if we're going to create real change. Yeah, and so I suppose that sort of falls to all of us, especially um, myself as a settler, um, mm. as someone who has profited off the colonisation of Australia, um, that I should 
expend my effort and my money, um, my, my assets, mm. maybe to take it away from the, from the, the idea of money because a lot of us don't have it. Yeah, I think there definitely um, to, should be... Toward, yeah, the, the, the cause of oh, First sorry. Nations people. No, no, no. no, no yeah. I was going to say there should definitely be... Um, uh, with with people who have come from a colonising background that mm. we're way too fast to feel like we're having our rights ripped away from us when mm. others gain their rights. And mm. it's like, no, mm. no, 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 no. Your priority should be making sure everyone in this society is equal and recognition for what your ancestors did is is, yeah. is created rather than just denied because you're some you're you're ashamed or you're scared of it. Mm. Reminds me of the um the 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 response that Carrie Ann Kennelly had when she was called out for racism mm. by um by Yumi Steins on that Channel Ten panel show. Um, I, I don't think that it bears Channel Ten panel show. Yeah, I don't I don't think it, it don't think it bears going over too much more mm. because there's been so much so many takes and so many hot takes and a lot of them very good, admittedly, but like mm. so much conversation around this one instance of very public white fragility. Um, that. I don't know. I, I don't have any advice because it's not my place to give it. Mm. Only that I'm not going to think any more about Carrie Ann Kennelly. I'm just not. Um, so <laughs> um, I'm going to I'm going to be thinking about this beautiful show that we have here on 3CR. I'm going to be thinking about this beautiful station, 3CR Community Radio, and mm. and all the listeners listeners who are part of our great community. And I think definitely all the we voices. do something here, and that's that's nice. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I'm going to switch it up with a very silly story. No. Oh. Yep, quickly, yep. it'll take our next two minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, Russian police say they have just arrested a man, this is a day ago, who was caught on camera taking a painting off the wall of a major Moscow art gallery and strolling out of it just under his arm. Okay. Um, the, <laughs> the man uh, basically walked up to a painting, looked at it, went, yes, thanks, literally took it off the wall and just spent a while just sauntering around the art gallery with it under his arm until he finally <laughs> left the building. Uh, security footage only picked it up when uh, the cameras noticed that there was an absence on the wall. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then the mad scrabble to find it yeah. obviously ensued. Um, the painting was about $1.4 million, supposedly, <laughs> worth, which is not huge, mm. but... It was quite a famous piece and was part of a very important exhibition. Do we know time. anything about the painting? Yep. So I've got the name. It's Russian, though, so oh, bear sure, with sure, me. Oh, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's a 1908 painting by Archip uh, Kudinsky. Kudinsky? Hmm. The, the name I'm going to start out for you. No, not Kudinsky. A-R-K-H-I-P. And then last okay. name, K-U-I-N-D-Z-H-I. Kudinsky. Mm. Uh, depicts the El Perichi Mountains I'm, in Crimea. Okay. There you go. Beautiful. It's a beautiful painting, actually. I really, I'm really. He just wanted it. it. It wasn't like political or anything. No. Huh. I just liked it, and honestly, I like it. Yeah. Um, maybe not enough to steal it from an exhibition, mm. but maybe it, it's it's the kind of art that stays with you, literally mm. in this case. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, you carry it with you. It, it magnet, <laughs> somehow magnetizes itself to your fingers. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, you know what? I think it's time for our, our next interview. So let's um let's go collect our interviewee from the kitchen and uh, <laughs> let's uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio. My name is Ruby Susan Mouth, but my pronouns are they. You're listening to 3CR Radical Radio, and that was Binde with Stella, Rosie and Claudia on... Hello, I'm Liz Wright. Welcome to Are You Looking At Me and International Day for People with Disability. Today on the show, we meet Trish Maloney and Frank Corbenji. Did you miss our 12-hour special broadcast for International Day of People with a Disability? Radical Disabled programmers discuss the NDIS, 
Aboriginal rights, creativity, youth access, financial security, parenting, LGBTIQ, intersections and so much more. Head to 3cr.org.au forward slash Disability Day 2018 and listen back anytime. We appreciate like you mob and all the people coming and visit us and doing stuff like this, you know, it's very good. It yeah. keeps a positive mindset in our mind, you know, and we really appreciate it. Because of her we can, yeah. I want to be a better, better man, yeah. Because of her we can. Beyond the Bars is 3CR's annual prison project, giving voice to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander inmates across Victoria. You can listen to audio from this year and previous years online anytime. How do you rehabilitate someone? They just put you in a cell and tell you this is how long you're going to do and it's meant to rehabilitate you, you know? Rehabilitation starts when you get out. That's when your life begins again, doesn't it? In here, your life's on hold. Just go to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars. Or if you'd like us to post you a free CD, contact the station on 03. When I first come to this jail, was about 10 years ago, and, and I was a young one. A whole heap of young ones come off the truck there the other day, and they call me Auntie Marlene, so it helped me recognise and realise that like, I pulled myself up like, yeah, they starting to look up to me, so I've got to represent and do the right thing now. Just go to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars. Like an ancestor, you'll know way back when. And you're listening to 3CR Community Radio. This is Wednesday Breakfast, and uh, we have Luke Sinclair from Sticky Institute in the studio. Um, hi, Luke. Hello. 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 Um, so let's let's talk about um, 
the festival of the photocopier because that's the the most pressing thing. It's coming up quite soon. Oh pressing wow! Thing. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is coming up. It is coming up. So it starts on the eighth. Yes. And the main event is the Zine Fair, which is a two-day Zine Fair yep. on the ninth and the tenth of February. So, mm. so we've always done a one-day Zine Fair, mm. and because of the demand, we've moved to a two-day Zine Fair this festival. Wow. And we've moved location. It's going to be in Trades Hall mm. this year. Now, Luke, you've been on 3CR Community Radio before, and I was listening back to our, our last interview, and I kind of realised. I never really asked you to explain to our listeners what zines are. <laughs> so people are just like, yeah, zines, great, yeah, zines, cool. Good, good. Okay, my definition of a zine, yeah. everyone who makes zines has different definitions. My definition is it's an independent publication. It's often photocopied. It's usually sold cheaply or it might be free. It's usually made by an individual or a small group of individuals. Usually doesn't have any advertising, and it's always made for love and not for profit. But it can also be a zine and break one or all of those rules. Mm, okay. <laughs> so there are no rules. The, the question then is, are there profitable zines? No. No. That, that's <laughs> yeah. a really easy yeah. question to answer. No, and that's no. One, of the, yeah, one of the things. If people who are kind of getting into zines for reasons other than those which we just discussed, mm. they tend to move on to something else yeah. because, yeah. yeah, I've been making zines for about 25 years. And I do do my tax once a year, and my accountant is horrified by my lack of profit. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And but, so, you know, love, love and not profit, so it's, mm. it fits that category. And it's that love that we're celebrating at the Festival <laughs> of the Photocopier. Yes, Photocopia. so basically it is just many, 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 many people who make zines coming mm. together. So we first ran this festival in 2008, wow. and the zine fair that year was just outside, sticky in the Campbell Arcade. Mm-hmm. And then the next year we ran it there again. So the first year there was about 50 tables. Second year there were 60 tables. Oh, wow. Next year there were 70 tables. Wow. Next year there was 85. And yeah. it was it was funny because that was uh, that was capacity for Campbell Arcade. Mm-hmm. And I kind of thought that was the community Good. that was probably as big as we could go. But there was too many people for the arcade, so we moved it to the biggest room of the Melbourne Town Hall. Mm. And the first year we were there, it was a little sparse, mm-hmm. so it was good. Mm. But then, so then the next year there was 105 bookings, oh. then the next year there was 120, and I thought, oh, that's it. And then just out of the blue, after that there was 165. Wow. Last year we had 260, and this year there is 270 stalls on Saturday and wow. 270 on Sunday. Wow. So some people double up, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, essentially yeah. it... Yep. grows exponentially. Yeah, this year. Yeah, yeah. And this year we've got people coming from Sydney, Brisbane, Canberra, Adelaide, Perth, Hobart, and we have Alex Reck coming mm. from Portland, Oregon in the USA, wow. which is very exciting. So from all over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So word spreads, yeah. which is good. It's you know, it's because there's never been a huge budget for it. Mm-hmm. It just kind of spreads each year. Lots more and more people come and they think, oh, yeah, I might make one next year. Mm. And then they come and then more people come. So really, last year we were at capacity at the Melbourne Town Hall. Mm. And so we were, it's always been free for people to have a stall. It's free to get in. And we were at the point by the end of last year where people were not going to be able to get a stall, so we've moved it to the two-day event this year. Beautiful. That's really lovely. Um, and so at this ex- um, at the Festival of the Photocopier, you'll, you'll turn up to the Melbourne Town Hall and you get to the ground. And what do you see? So Trades Hall this year. Trades Hall, so sorry. You, you turn up to Trades Hall and essentially it's all the way through Trades Hall on right, Saturday and right. Sunday from 12 till mm-hmm. 5. So on one level, it's very simple. All we do is we provide a table... And the zine makers bring their stuff, 
they put their stuff on the table mm-hmm. and so people can meet the zine makers, they can get their zines. And then there is many, many tables. There's going to be 270 stalls mm. and there will be several thousand people coming through. But it's a really kind of exciting time to just inspire people to make zines because you can see the whole range of what people do. You can see, you know, really cheaply kind of scrappy black and white zines. You can see risograph zines. You can see photography zines. Mm. And you can kind of think about, okay, how did you put that together? What tools are you using? Where did you print this? How much did it cost? How much are you selling it for? And you can talk to the maker directly mm. and just figure out, okay, if I'm going to do this, how many pages can it be? Where can I do this? And so hopefully it just inspires people to do more and more zines. Yeah, beautiful. Now, there's actually something happening before the, the official launch of the festival. Um, so this is Queer Pals Unsocialites. Can you tell what Yep, so the, the festival itself goes right through from the Thursday. Okay. So the zine fair is the Saturday, Sunday. So, yeah, it starts with the um, yeah, Queer Pals. So that is organised by Queer Content Comedy and zines that are a group in Brisbane so they are having an evening on Thursday going from 6pm to 8pm at the back room which is a new zine space in Carlton so the just idea of that one is it's just a chance for queer zine makers to get together talk about what they do plan the festival and hopefully hook up and make some more zines in the future <laughs> moving on to the Friday there's two events in Sticky so we do a big fundraiser at Sticky where we ask a whole stack of zine makers to make a short run zine for the shop as a fundraiser mm-hmm. so sticky is completely not for profit and so because we do nice things for people they're willing to make the zines and so we're having a launch of all them that's called feed the animals so there should be about 25 zines which that's the only place you're going to be able to get them mm. after that at five o'clock there is a launch of a new zine called Failbook, which is all about how the world could be if facebook didn't exist so it's a melbourne sydney collab and then there's the launch party on the Friday night at um, the Borough. So we have, playing at the launch party from America, we have the Copy Copy Scams. Now, the Copy Scams are <laughs> an international zine band fronted by Alex Reck. How does that work? Yeah, it's very, very complicated. So Alex Reck is a zine maker in Portland, Oregon, mm. and she makes a zine called Brain Scan, and they also do another thing called Stolen Sharpie Revolution, which is a zine resource publication, which is a really good place to start. Like, what is a zine? How do people make them? Anyway, they put this band together. It's a band made up of zine makers, and all songs are about zines. Wow. So they got together a few years ago. Once Alex was coming out for the festival, it was proposed that we put together a tribute band to the Copy Scams, which is fronted by Alex as the lead singer of the Copy Scams. So we have a band called the Copy Copy Scams, and they are playing all Copy Scams songs fronted by Alex on the night. That's beautiful. I love that. That's yeah, so good. it's exciting. Yeah, so yeah. the band is together. They're practicing. Yeah. Alex arrives a couple of days before the zine fair. Okay. They're going to have a couple of practices and then hit the stage. And it's all zine makers from Melbourne who are playing in the band. That's beautiful. And oh. fingers crossed. Yeah. Well, I mean, you'd expect from <laughs> such a large pool of creative people that some of them would be musically talented. Of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. other sort of interests as well. So fingers yeah. crossed, however, when, so when I approached them, I was like, yeah, 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 it's going to be fine. You know, a few chords. And then I went back and listened to some of the Copy Scams music again. And it's a little bit more complicated. Right. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> okay. So I was like, oh, you're going to need a bit of practice. Yeah. It's good. It is coming together. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Okay. Can I go? back to the, the Queer Pals on Socialites event yep. that's happening on Thursday night. Um, I, I don't think it's just me. There's a lot of um, 
queer representation in zines and a lot of queer people producing zines and it just seems like such a great fertile ground for queer stories to be told. Yeah, and I'm definitely. wondering why, why you think that is. Um, oh, I guess it's it, it's an alternative space, mm. you know. There was like last week as part of Midsummer, there was a queer zine fair at the Malt House, mm-hmm. then there is a huge scene. You know, yeah. there's people there's people who are making that and it's a place where people can tell stories outside of the mainstream. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, another you look at a definition of what is a zine, mm-hmm. that's another place you can go. It's a place outside of the mainstream where stories are told. Mm-hmm. And I guess it, I mean because you know Sticky's been there for eighteen years, we kind of see a real progress in the way zines look and the content. And I guess you look at that, that's definitely, you know, one of the really positive things, which has always been there in zines, but especially at the moment, there is just a real interest in that kind of expression. And for that community, it's been a really safe and good space for them. So, yeah, it's a really positive space for it. Yeah. And so just to remind people, that event in particular, Queer Pals Unsocialites, is happening 6pm to 8pm on Thursday the 7th. Yep. Where's that? So that is at the back room, ah. which is a new zine space in Carlton. It's mm-hmm. at 787 Nicholson Street in Carlton. Beautiful. Oh. And so I, I got the location of the um, festival itself, the festival weekend, wrong earlier. It's actually at Trades Hall. So the zine fair is yes. happening at Trades Hall. Yes. So really, really, the festival of photocopier, it's just... it re- it. It's just really a big zine fair with a few smaller kind Things of satellite events. Yep. But it's, it, they are, they, the, the side events tend to be, you know, kind of small kind of things. Mm-hmm. So people come to them and they're like, oh, yeah, this is nice. And it'll be at Sticky. You can't fit more than, you know, kind of 20 mm-hmm. people in six. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, this is nice. And then they go to the zine fair and <laughs> it's like we, we, we didn't count last year, but I figure there was 10,000 people there yeah. last year. Yeah. And it's just like this enormous, enormous event. And it's kind of spectacular that such an enormous event can be run by such a small organisation. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. And it doesn't make any sense either because, like, when we opened Sticky in 2001, like, I definitely had the feeling that zines wouldn't exist at all, you know, a couple of years after that, that the internet would completely kill zines and they mm. wouldn't be there anymore. And now we look at it in 2019 and we've got this enormous event which has to spread over two days and it's a beautiful thing. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> beautiful. Um, so excited for the zine fair. Um, that's coming on the weekend of the 8th and the 9th. Opens at 12 each day. Yep, and 12 each day. Trades hall. Ends at 5. Ends at 5. There's... So there's mm. 270 stalls mm. in Trades Hall each day. Some people are doubling up. We've let mm. people who are travelling international or interstate double up. Distros get to come both days. And then other than that, it'll be quite different each mm. day. Okay. Now, we're, we're almost out of time, so we'll have to be very brief on this. But there's, um, there's not a huge amount of news at the moment. The last time you came in, we were talking about the Threat 2 Sticky Institute from the Metro Tunnel Development. Metro, the Metro Tunnel Development... Sorry, the Metro Tunnel Authority wants to build a tunnel from Town Hall Station to Flinders Street Station and they want to build it through Campbell Arcade so uh, demolish the home of Sticky and um, there's been an eviction eviction date. Yep, so the tunnel goes directly from Town Hall directly through Sticky to Campbell Arcade Mm -hmm. but it is all heritage listed Mm -hmm. in Campbell Arcade so they, all the shops 
in Campbell Arcade have been told to leave as of July 2019, mm-hmm. but it is heritage-listed Campbell Arcade. Mm-hmm. So if they do want to demolish that section of Campbell Arcade, they have to apply for a heritage permit to do that. Mm-hmm. So they apply to Heritage Victoria. So the next stage is once they apply for the heritage permit, there is a two-week public consultation period when anyone can share their thoughts on demolishing heritage-listed space in central Melbourne. So we will get as many people to share those thoughts as possible, then Heritage Victoria will consider um, the application mm. and make a decision based yep. upon that. But that hasn't been triggered yet, so we can't... No, they've, not, they've not applied. They've not right. applied for the permit. So once okay. they've applied, it goes up on the Heritage Victoria website. For two weeks. For two weeks, yep. and then anyone can respond to that. It's just an email response. Mm. So we'll tell as many people as we can mm-hmm. that it's happening. And then... And we're still in negotiations with the Metro Tunnel to relocate us. Mm. So the dream situation for us is that they relocate us for the six years that Campbell Arcade is going to be closed. And then they decide not to demolish part of Campbell Arcade and we can return to our home of 18 years once the arcade reopens. Mm. Okay. Um, And what are the prospects of um, where you'll be rehoused? Um, We don't know. We're yep. waiting for the Metro Tunnel people to come through with an amazing offer to houses <laughs> in the central <laughs> Melbourne space, which is enormous and has ten photocopies. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll cross our fingers for you. <laughs> Hopefully something really great happens. Yes. Um, I've been speaking to Luke Sinclair from Sticky Institute. We're looking forward to the, f- uh, the festival happening on the weekend of the 8th and the 9th. We'll keep our ears open and eyes open for what happens in terms of the, um, the relocation and things like that. Um, Luke, thank you for joining us. All right, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to 3CR Community Radio. We'll be right back with you. You're listening to 3CR. That was Banawa by Musafir. And just for the spelling of that, B-A-R-N-A-W-A by uh, the artist Musafir, which is M-U-S-A-F-I-R. Fantastic track provided to us by Dante. Beautiful. Thanks, Dante. That was from the uh, um, the album Gypsies of Rajasthan. Yep. And uh, you're listening to 3CR Community Radio. We're back as we promised. Now, we did have to shake some things up because our first guest came in nice and early. And um, thank you so much, Luke, for thank coming so and talking much, to us about this <laughs> festival of the photocopier. Now, next up, we're going to be hearing an interview that I did uh, on the weekend uh, just at the just after the dawn service on Invasion Day where we remembered... Um, the the warriors and also the, the the I guess you could call them civilians who were killed in the frontier wars um, as Australia was invaded by the British. Um, Jada Gulpalil was the man uh, man who ran the who who tended the fire and um, conducted the smoke ceremony that we did to commemorate the all the people who were killed in the massacres um, here in the Kulin Nation and um, Kulin Nations. And um, he, uh, we're going to start off by hearing a bit of the the sound of him singing, and um, then we go straight into the interview. So let's listen in. My name's Jada Golpalil. This is my mother's country here in Victoria, on Yorta Yorta. Jaja Warong and Gudaroa. And um, I'm here in Melbourne. 
ceremony happened here before? Yeah, yeah, during the Commonwealth Games, yeah. Yeah. Okay. We gathered here at the Black GST. Oh, okay, so it's the same. Yeah, so. yeah, we've done it here, yeah. And we've done one of the first night marches through Melbourne with the smoke, yeah. like I've done there before, yeah. but we carried the smoke right through the CBD at night time. That was the first time, um, you know, any of the community here we, we held a demonstration at night, you know, in the evening. And this, and this was when people were coming out of um, their, their jobs and workplaces, you know. And so it was, the city was bustling and we, we were, we were um, marching, you know, through the city at that time. It was, it was amazing, you know. People were really um, taken back by it because it was in the... The time of day it was, you know. Yeah. It's going to be different today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you, what are you hoping yeah. for today? Oh, look, it's going to be lots of people. You know, last, last, last year there were record numbers, and this this year I suppose you know we're looking at probably the same sort of amount of people, or even more. Yeah. You know, and um, you can see sometimes when we march through Elizabeth Street. That even the shop owners come out and wave, you know, yeah. or cheer on in support right through the whole um, Elizabeth Street. And they, um, you know, they encourage um, what we're doing, you know. And, um, and that sounds different from, from how it was back in 2006 when we were playing off games, Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, it was a bit of a shock for people. So do you think that's been changed since then, oh, or is yeah. it just in the city? Oh, yeah, it's changing, you know. Um, the amount of people supporting our, you know, um, our campaign, you know, which is a whole list of things, you know, including treaty and, um, you know, land rights and, and um, better recognition and um, changes in... Commonwealth and state legislations and policies and you know there's a whole list of things you know that that we protest for but um, you know I remember coming to the marches when I was a young fella you know and um, that was about 35 years ago now you know like and um, it was different our community but so was the wider, you know. Um, these days, it's really um, powerful, you know. People are um, joining with us, you know, even more and more. Like, you wouldn't see the types of support um, 15 or 20 years ago, you know, here, here in Melbourne. Um, yeah, we just see a lot more. Um, a lot more people joining, you know, with us um, in the struggle to um, make change, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It must feel good to, to oh, see yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. It is. You know, it's um, it's um, it means that you know we're still here, as strong as strong as we were, you know, um, 20 years ago. Or, or 200 years ago, 
or, you know, 10,000 years ago, you know, or 30,000 years ago, or 40 or 50, you know, we're still here, you know, and, and, um, you know, it's, 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 it's proving every day through our communities, um, with the, with the, with the slight changes we're making, you know, in our own communities. Um, yeah, states or territories, you know, there's, there's, um, there's, um, there's adjustments being made, you know. I think we're all getting ready for something big, you know, and that, and, and that may be certainly a treaties, you know, throughout, especially Victoria here. We're talking about that now, you know, and um, that's that's one of the first things we need to get over the line with the state, you know, and us as a community. And um, um, young people are starting to learn about it through our communities, and and now they're starting to educate the wider communities as well, and even non-indigenous um, children, you know. They get it. They get it. It's the old people, older generations, their time's gone. Their time's gone. They had their chance. Now we're working on the next generation's people. You know, and um, you, you can see through communities um, that these like white kids, students, young people, next generation of farmers out in those regional areas they want what we want see they want to protect the environment they want us to work with them and they're starting to look at the environment and our culture and people through a different lens and that's what's happening you know I think that's probably a good, good point to wrap up thank you so yeah. much for that was beautiful yeah you're welcome and that was a conversation I had earlier with Jida Galpalil, um, who is an actor and an activist and an educator and was the smoke ceremony celebrant uh, at the Invasion Day Dawn service this past 26th of January. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio. Next up, we're going to hear an interview um, that I taped yesterday with Mojgan Morafizade, um, who's going to introduce herself, but she's one of many refugees trapped in limbo in Indonesia um, and she tells us about how the refugee community is supporting itself and what pressures keep them in Indonesia without the right to work or access to welfare systems. Uh, let's listen in. I'm Mojgan Muarefizadeh, um, living in Indonesia since 2013 as a refugee, and um, later I came to co-found the Refugee and Asylum Seekers Information Centre. Thank you for joining me on 3CR Community Radio. Um, so I might start, yeah. first of all, that Indonesia isn't a signatory to the UN Convention relating to the status of refugees, and it doesn't really have its own infrastructure for determining refugee status. So what does this mean for the thousands of refugees and asylum seekers living in Indonesia? This means us as refugees and asylum seekers are living some sort of a half-life, some sort of uh, non-existence 
life that we we are here, but we are not into account for anything, and we really don't have any uh, legality, like according to this country's law. Uh, we have no rights, and we can't really do anything with our UNHCR IDs. That that means that you don't have basic services, is that right? Yes, that's right. Is that why you set up the Refugees and Asylum Seekers Information Centre? I'd like you to tell us a bit about that, if you could. Um, yes, right at the beginning, it wasn't for providing basic care. It was mostly for providing information, because about four years ago, I was involved in interpreting in legal aid sessions for refugees and asylum seekers when they were going through their interviews with UNHCR and other legal aid organizations, and step-by-step step, I became the focal point of the community, people asking me questions, constantly contacting me to ask different sorts of information. So um, I talked to a friend, and they decided to put all this information into one platform and translate it into different languages to be able to provide this information for others and get less calls because it was getting overwhelming. But after a while um, of starting, then we realized that there is a lot of need in the community that only us can help out, only refugees for refugees. And then we decided to design projects and go, go with the flow and actually try to provide basic cares. Yeah, and it sounds like you do really necessary work for the refugee and asylum seeker community. But have you received any support from the Indonesian government? Uh, no. No, no support. No support. Um, but they don't stop us from doing our activities. They're yeah. actually supportive. Mm. And how about the, the wider community, just the, the people of Indonesia? Yes. Sometimes here and there we get support from the Indonesian community, but it only um, it's only a matter of raising awareness. It's only a matter of them knowing that it's okay to help refugees in Indonesia because usually there's a general fear around the situation of refugees in Indonesia. Why, why is that, do you think? It's, it's mostly because of the media. Like, um, all of the media coverage is mostly negative and mostly about people living on the roads and being uh, a disturbance to the community. That's why they're a bit scared also, knowing that refugees are coming from war-torn countries and link it together with um, topics like terrorism and, you know, they're a bit scared of people from the Middle East. Um, now, can we talk about the impact of Australian immigration and foreign aid policy? Um, over the course of successive governments, Australia's refugee intake has become more restrictive and our foreign aid contributions mm -hmm. have shrunk significantly. Um, over the right. course of the time that you've been in Indonesia, have you seen impacts of this? In, in particular, I'm thinking about the um, International Organisation for Migration and how they've had their funding from Australia cut. Definitely. It's been the biggest impact. It's been uh, really the impact that we can see on a day-to-day -day basis on different sorts of requests that refugees have, the number of refugees who become more and more um, in trouble and become, uh, you know, it's more difficult for everyone to leave and there's no support or that little bit of support that was existing is being cut off. Um, but it both has negative and positive sides to it, you know. But uh, obviously, most of it is negative. Like, the, the biggest impact that the Australian policy has is another second detention for refugees in Indonesia. It's not just Manus and Noro. Indonesia is a result of that, is a result of closing the borders. And it's horrible because uh, all the refugees were thinking, okay, it's fine. If the border is closed, it means that through UNHCR, we can still get there, we can still be safe, we can still have our human rights back. But unfortunately, even the way through UNHCR is closed, 
And that one is the one that is having the most big negative impact. Yes. Can you tell me about the UNHCR route? Um, so they, they help to classify a lot of people as refugees. Um, but the right. rates of resettlement are extremely low. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Yes, the rates are extremely low. Like um, uh, two years ago, Australia was resettling at least 500 people from Indonesia. But uh, last year, it came down to 85 people. Just by that number, you can already tell how much it's been down. And uh, also some nationalities have been excluded from this, uh, like Iran, Somalia, South Sudan. They've been excluded from resettlement to Australia for whatever reason it is. And um, also people who register to UNHCR after July 2014 are also excluded from that. Mm. So you have people living a very precarious, informal existence, really, in Indonesia as refugees and asylum seekers, and the prospect of resettlement in Australia is very low. Um, are, there, are there other paths? Are there other hopes for either resettlement or gaining a higher quality of living in Indonesia? Higher quality, quality of living in Indonesia is really out of the question because uh, it's really difficult, like... In our advocacy groups, we keep talking about it, about livelihood rights for refugees and all that, but it's, it looks very impossible because both the local community and the government are very scared of it and very against it and thinking the big flow of refugees are going to come to Indonesia if they allow it. And it's, it's not something that is going to happen. Also, language barriers, cultural differences, all of this together, even if let's say refugees have the rights to livelihood, it would be very, very difficult to be able to live comfortable in Indonesia. And um, about, so, like, we were really, really hopeless in the past year, really, especially after UNHCR announced that there will, no, there will be no resettlement for the next 20 to 25 years, that you're all going to be here, that just go on with your life or go back to your countries. But uh, it's been about a month that we are seeing a bit of resettlement towards Canada, which is a bit, you know, it brings a little bit of hope to the community. But again, it's for a very small number of refugees. Mm. Are you seeing specific types or backgrounds of refugees being settled in Canada? Yes. Yes, mostly emergency medical cases that have been in the queue for years. Mm. So we have seen a restriction of Australia's um, intake of refugees and a dip in our funding, and that's all from our government, who, who do have support from some sectors of, Australian, of the Australian public. How do you, how do you reason um, that Australians, to some extent, support restricting refugee intake and things like that? Well, uh, there's always two parts to every community. And from the Australian community, we also heard a lot of comments that, yep, some people don't like a lot of refugees coming to their country for different reasons. And I totally understand that. Maybe there is a fear around a lot of people, like a big, big population of people with different culture, different background coming into the country, and the country is going to lose its balance. It's usually the general idea. It's the general fear around it. And I totally understand that, like, there's really no way around turning it a, a, around the other way unless that there is enough awareness for people to understand that these refugees really don't have any other option. If they could stay in their own countries, they would stay, and they need a safe place to go to. Transit countries like Indonesia, Malaysia, Thailand are not places where we can live because of the the government and the country and how it is set up, it's really there's no space for refugees in these countries. Otherwise, we would, we would happily stay.
Is there anything else you'd like to say to the, the listeners of 3CR here in Melbourne of um, if there's any way that they can help or anything that can be done? There's always two things that I ask the Australian people to do. The first thing is that they can be really impactful by their votes, by um, contacting their MPs and telling them about refugees in Indonesia. And for sure, the policies of Australia is going to be very greatly impactful on our situations in Indonesia. And the second way they can help out is definitely helping us on the ground with donating to our organizations and supporting us directly. Okay, so I've been speaking to Mojgan Moarefizade, who is a community organizer, a refugee who's been living in Indonesia since 2013, and a co-founder of the Refugees and Asylum Seekers Information Center based in Jakarta, Indonesia. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, you have You're a, welcome. Have a lovely day. Thank you so much. You too. Bye. Hi, I'm Rod Quantock and you're listening to Fill in the Dots, you know who you're listening to Why do I have to tell you who you're listening to? You know who you're listening to You're listening to, yes, Fill in the 3CR Community Radio, you got it right You've won a giraffe uh, We're at 8.55am, we're on digital radio and streaming at 3cr.org.au 3CR has been making trouble since 1976 and occasionally I've been part of the trouble that's been made. It's a vital part of our uh, media landscape and I'd encourage you to get a hacksaw, an oxyacetylene torch and go up to the Dandenongs and, and bring down all those broadcast towers that aren't 3CR's towers and let's make 3CR the only source of information to an information-starved, dumbed-down Australian community. Written, authorised and spoken by... By Neil Mitchell. Five, four, three, two, one. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio. I am sailing, I am sailing on the seas We sail for human rights, indigenous sovereignty and climate justice. Our destination is Manus Island. Join us for the Freedom Flotilla. Sailforjustice.org. Get on board. A 3CR supporter. Have you ever wondered about the meaning of the terms identity politics, intersectionality, turf or institutional racism? Same here. This summer, Tuesday Breakfast is going back to school to answer these questions and more. Join us as we learn from experts, academics, writers, activists and people with lived experiences to share their knowledge on decolonisation, sovereignty and self-determination, race and identity, sexuality and gender and disability and accessibility. Knowledge shouldn't be locked away at a university, so let us bring it to you. Tune into Summer School. Tuesday mornings from 7am, starting the 8th of January, 855am or via 3cr.org.au. And check out our Instagram, 3CR Tuesday Breakfast, for more details. Hi, I'm Jacob from the Friday Rave, and I'm also on 3CR's Committee of Management. Now, the community of passionate people that founded 3CR a long time ago made some tough decisions. For a start, they committed themselves and a growing community of listeners to back their vision of owning our station. 
and in doing so remaining independent of the government and corporate influence. They did this by fundraising, brick by brick, with working bees, door knocks, on-air drives and all the rest of it. You've all been there. Now their commitment has kept 3CR on air for over 40 years. That's a long time even in my life. But now we need your commitment to keep this great thing going. Now you can subscribe online at 3cr.org.au or phone us at the station on 94198377 or even stop me on the bloody street if you see me at some rally or other and ask me for a membership form. You need to become a member of Melbourne Radical Radio and subscribe. Brought to us by the People's Committee for Melbourne every Wednesday at 9am. City Limits is Melbourne's only hour devoted to our urban environment. To transport and planning and housing issues. To privatisations and our utility services. To building and or maintaining a sense of community. 855 on the AM band, if we can hear it through the noise and find it through the smog. City Limits. Some people think little girls should be seen and not heard, but I think... Oh, bondage! Up yours! One, two, three, four! Wayward Girl, the intersectional feminist music show. Tune in Fridays, 9 to 10 through summer on 3CR. And you're listening to 3CR. Now, in the studio today, we have uh, Candy Bowers to talk about the show Decolonize and Moisturize, um, which is showing on tomorrow at the Melbourne Museum and will be an immersive workshop of art practices and self-care. Good morning. Good morning. (laughs) Um, I suppose the first natural question I'd like to ask is, what Mm. does self-care mean to you? Ah, ah. It's pretty deep. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's entangled and uh, sort of one in the same as what I talk about when I talk about decolonizing. Mm-hmm. I think it's the, a great self-care practice for everyone, every <laughs> being. Uh, so what I'm doing is the decolonized moisturized workshops are amongst a, a series of things going on during the Mandela Exhibition and Midsummer Festival. Mm-hmm. So we're doing the workshops tomorrow at one and uh, sorry at at, yeah, at one, and I did one last week at five. five yep. Uh, I I literally touched down. I'd been in LA yeah. for two and a half <laughs> months, so it's been a bit crazy. And then um, and then there's a big party, big music event, mm. which I I found it's a really neat fit because there's so much to be done in in sort of sharing a dance floor with each other as well mm. on a on a really important tip in seeing um, so many artists from across. South Africa and queer spaces in one spot and um, so the workshop component and the self-care component it's not like I don't separate it out too much Mm -hmm. and because for a lot of people I mean it's a one and a half to two hour workshop it's the first time being a part of something like that so it's a very gentle space yeah Uh, I often say look all of us in different ways 
uh, and maybe in the zeitgeist we're living in with social media, etc., we've sort of always got our um, our boxing gloves on. Yeah. So in this class, we take those off, and that's the first thing. Uh, we take those off and leave them at the door. <laughs> and there's a couple of things we leave at the door. Uh, our interpretations of the constructions that are race and class and um, all of the things that hinder and also give us easy passage. Okay. So we talk about who we are and, and how we're positioned in across space and and a lot of teachers come as well but everyday people come to and artists are speckled through and it's always extraordinary who's in the room because who's in the room uh will also define how how the exchange works um i also bed all the workshops in audrey lord's poetry and writing and so much of what she talks about whether it's pain you know how we evade it, how we succumb to it, how we transcend mm. it, or the sharing of joy being a, a really important part of care. I think possibly when you think of self-care, people think, yeah, it's me alone in a spa or something. Yeah. Um, my version of decolonize and moisturize is mm-hmm. actually very connected into community and into each other. Okay. Terrifying for adults. <laughs> So terrifying. I can see the terror at times where I go, (laughs) and it's sort of the antidote to so much of where we're hitting and missing right now. Uh, And things sink in and sit with people. And even at the beginning of a workshop, I'll say, look, there will be goosebumps and there will be tears. Uh, It's going to hit into the moments where, you know, some core negative beliefs in ourselves or in our society uh, it's so hard to actually talk about because it's yeah. such a vulnerable space. I even had someone come along, they'd gone to the wrong venue and they just caught the last 10. And oh. I'm very sort of specific about whether people can come and go, but she was pretty gentle and she just sat and listened and she said, I have no idea what, what's on the board or what, why everybody was where they were at, but all I can say is that was really incredible to witness people sharing at that level. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because if we don't get there, we sort of don't get anywhere. Mm. I, was a, I was covering some of the Nick Cave, Exhibition Nick Cave, African-American Queer Nick Cave. <laughs> <laughs> There's two, right, in the, in the public eye. Yeah, totally. And he did an exhibition called Until, as in Guilty Until Proven Innocent, mm-hmm. uh, at Carriage Works. And what he does is creates these huge beautiful artworks that you can literally walk around in like a chandelier you can walk up into optimism right is his thing human connectivity and Mm. higher consciousness so inside of these beautiful huge level uh, video immersions and sort of on top of that chandelier is all these found objects you might find like for kids it's a fantasy world um there's conversations going on about gun violence and gender war and guests in custody. So as artists, we're finding ways to, um, you know, take people's breath away as we reconnect into some of the things we need to talk about that are very difficult to talk about no matter where you sit um, on the (laughs) privileged spectrum. Yeah, and I I suppose with these topics, are they centred around people's identity and about Mm -hmm. the foundations of what makes them who they are? Well, I say a lot of it is more about 
um, it's a mix of things because uh, I so I get folks to write down everything about themselves, you know, yeah. colour, eye colour, hair colour, short mm-hmm. hair, tall, all that, and put a little cross or a tick next to those things. And that's oh. your interpretation. Oh, I think I have beautiful eyes, tick. I'm a bit too short, cross. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, right. Where does yeah. that come from? Valuing. Where that, does it come those from? Those imposed right? judgments that we have. That's right. Yeah. Um, you know, where does that come from? And the, and I say, okay, and then we, we're going to scrunch that up and we're going to put it in a trash can at the front of the room because these are, it's all bullshit. It's all perception. It's all bullshit. Yeah. But also, we're not going to actually chuck it in the bin because these things shape our lives. Okay. So as the workshop moves, we, we start to unpack what has defined our, us mm. and the core idea of Audre Lords, which is if I didn't define myself for myself... I'd be crunched into other people's fantasies for me and eaten alive. Now, most of us are being eaten alive at the moment. And reclaiming that space allows us to actually meet. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's so much going on for everybody. And right now, I just came back from LA. There's teacher scribe, you know, federal um, shutdown, all that was going on. Yeah. Um, The constant um, sort of space of hearing more and more about the abuses and Mm. and the stuff we all know like just also I'm very sensitive about the fact that we're in this sort of around invasion day time it's Mm. always there's always high emotion and words rarely cut through so we have to sort of go deeper yeah and I suppose uh that's what struck me with this one is it's a workshop it's working with people so Mm. it's not just speaking at people and expecting them to be you know, receptive to what you say, it is breaking down and interacting and taking the time to really, yeah, yeah. And I guess halfway. I guess it's 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 just a a tip, the tip of an iceberg. Mm. You know, you can't learn everything in this space with this. Of course, it's like one of my friends said, we should do a camp that would feel (laughs) good, like (laughs) at least a five day camp. Yeah, the the moisturized elements for me are really in the art world. So when I talk about Nick Cave's work. Um, visual art, it's poetry, mm. it's music, mm. um, and um, podcasts as well. Like I take those meditations or reading a book and and use them as the sp- that that's what sort of keeps us um, from cracking and dry and yeah. you know so stuck it holds in us it. together. Yeah, Lovely. but also the moisture is human connectivity. Okay, all right. Yeah. So I suppose um, you describe it. Uh, as the survival tool for minorities and activists. I was just mm. wondering if you can break that down for us, because obviously yeah. this workshop's working with everybody in our society. Yeah. What's it kind of... What's it? Who's it targeting really? Who's it, What's it trying yeah. to say? Look, that stuff's always, like, early days, you know. Like, <laughs> um, I've done the Art of Decolonization mm-hmm. workshop alongside a show that came out last year, The Fall, All Roads Lead to Decolonization from South Africa. And I'm coming from this... I, I was saying to a friend recently, I think I'll always be an outlier no matter what culture I'm in. No matter what happens. Because yeah. my parents were displaced, came as political refugees mm-hmm. from South Africa. When I'm in South Africa, I love it, but I'm Australian. Australian I, what is this word? Yeah. Um, <laughs> in this stolen country, you know. Uh, and that's also interesting, being a refugee in an occupied country. Yeah. So I, I exist what I exist in is in my art and in my words. Mm. So I want to help uh, folks that are in similar spaces because it's so, it's tough, that stuff. It's tough. Um, the fight is tough mm-hmm. as well. So 
what it takes, you know, like anything, like anyone, even a, you know, the great boxer, you have to come out, you have to get a rub down, you have to like do your, your hand exercises. But what I also find, it was funny, I was at a conference a few years back and somebody said, maybe the problem with this conference is though we don't have enough antagonistic voices so all a bit lefty and all a bit this and I said okay. dude my life is antagonistic yeah, that's, that's I come here to bathe in my brothers and sisters that I can you know um connect with and just like actually be and mm. feel held and hold I, I'm not up like I have to fight every day yeah. so these are those spaces and um I'm always interesting. Oh, people just come with such an array of things, and the last workshop was just really beautiful. Um, I'm a very lateral teacher, so I think people are like, what's happening? <laughs> you know, I'm not sure. Maybe they don't at all. That's what I think sometimes. I think I'm going to ask you to trust, and there's one yeah. thing that, because I teach acting and I teach kids and I do all this other stuff, I find it really interesting for adults to trust yeah. in a space. Well, I, I suppose yeah. we're programmed not to, as you get older, yeah. you're programmed to really shut up, uh, shut yeah. down, put yeah. up border walls, and, and that's yeah. somehow aligned with adulthood. Mm-hmm. Adulthood is becoming more and more enclosed. Mm. Mm. <laughs> and, and it's imaginative. Yeah, and I think there's things that we, there's a lot of things just dropping stuff into consciousness. Mm. Um, another thing Audre Lorde says is revolution is not a one-time event. <laughs> it's daily. <laughs> Continuous, yeah. And so when I do the workshop and I say, I'm not going to like, you know, give you this stuff and then you go, done, you know, close yeah, the notebook. Totally. It's actually about beginning a practice mm. and um, being really aware uh, sort of, and with, with my students at the, I teach at the VCA, I'm going to actually, I'm going to be directing fucking A, which is uh, a riff on the Scarlet Letter written by James Baldwin's protégé, Susan okay. Laurie Parks, yep. in April. So hugely political works. Like, I like to say it's handmade, but actually, like The Handmaid's Tale, but actually black women. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, not an allegory for that. Um, so with these guys, uh, young folks over there, it's, it's so interesting to see what, you, what they come with. Yeah. And um, I was teasing all the white boys because they... Usually after a class, I'm surrounded by queer folks and, and people of colour. And um, they looked up and all these straight white boys from my class were there and they're like, that was the best class. <laughs> I said, see, and one of them's very conservative. I was like, see, Joe, all you needed was like an intersectional black feminist like a- <laughs> teacher. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you, break, you have all these breakthroughs. You have all these realisations. Yeah. Um, I want to pick up on, uh, I was talking to my dad and his partner about this prior and they went oh self-care that's not really something we had in our day in the way of uh, it's only something we've recently named mm-hmm. it's all um and m- my father was saying he's going well it used to be kind of a reaction to a stressful situation mm. whereas now it's kind of because we've got awareness about it it's yeah. this regular thing that we try to up to maintain or at least mm-hmm. that's what you're kind mm. of advocating i was wondering what do we need to kind of between generations what have you noticed with Ooh, yeah. how people approach self-care and that idea it was really interesting in the last workshop so there's a little work there's a little exercise i do about barriers where you talk mm. about when the gate was open to you or when the gate was closed on you for those things that you wrote on your piece of paper like yeah. things you have no control over um, and there was an, a woman said, um, so I say, say the year and how old you were and then talk about the situation. And one of the women said, it's 1965 and I'm 13 years old. So we had like a huge yeah. age range, so yeah. from teenagers to people um, in their 70s 
I think that man was in his 80s, 10 in 55. Not that good at maths. Something like. <laughs> Something like that. Um, right, 70s, 70s. And so what that was so extraordinary for me, mm. um, I think there is, like when I think about what Nick Cave, when I was talking to him about human connectivity and higher consciousness, mm. it's all in us, which is the really interesting thing about human beings, right? I think Marvel comics do it really well to sort of talk about what is in us, the dark that's and the true, light and all true. that. <laughs> and they, you know, like they're making millions of dollars off that, right? Um, <laughs> so it's, it's in us to 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 be able to receive, mm. right, to give and receive. But, again, if that gate's been closed on you all the time, yeah. you get into a position where you're, you're, you're like ready you're for flinch. the gate, yeah. right? And if that gate's always open to you when it gets shut on you, then you're like, what the, what? The you hell? Know? <laughs> yeah, and that's no, pretty much how some, we all move around in this world. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, noticing that and I, I traverse such different spaces all the time, mm. you know, like had just a wild time in LA. <laughs> in a wild so time wild. But just like so wild. Like, you know, you meet these insanely wealthy celebrities mm. and the truth, you know, then you get in an Uber with someone who's just a teacher that Ever can't work, that? you know. Yeah, definitely. So I just think um, it's it's a really interesting space. It's the same thing about like this radio station. We believe in yes. people power. We believe people have the power to shift and change anything. I mm. tell my students, you have the power to shift this course if you wanted to. Yeah. Be a proactive student. That's terrifying. It's not very Australian. It's not very right? yeah, down the line because we like rules. <laughs> yeah, and like we'll just keep doing what we're told mm. um, no matter what, you know, what's going on. Definitely. So I think that um, also... It's so tricky. Like teachers often ask me if they can do my course or they can have I've written it anywhere and can they Yeah, can they And I don't it? I just don't know. I'm a black queer woman from my very specific perspective yeah. sitting, you know, as a conscious outlier. Can you? I don't know because what I probably the nuance in it and I have a performance background and I've been working in this space and making work in this space for ten years, so Part of me goes, I don't think if I wrote it down and then you taught you it, it would be the same. Yeah. Because I'm like giving people feedback. I'm an mm. empath. So I'm holding the emotion in the room. All of those things have to be, you know, um, yeah. involved. Okay. And it's not uh, something I can just sort of say, ah, this is this is uh, the soundbite version mm. of what I think self-care is or what I mean when I say moisturize. Yeah, sure. Um it's sort of that journey, you know, inside of a workshop. And, uh, I, yeah, I, I also think um, what we teach each other, what the reverence between an in, in intergenerational but then across cultural stuff too. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to a friend, we were talking about the difference between equity and equality. You know, equality is having everybody of all different backgrounds on one sp- in one space, hearing from everybody. Um, equity, though, would mean that we only listen to old black women because we've never we don't hear from them at all, and we haven't. You know what I mean? Yeah. Directing films, yeah. writing plays, everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So right. that would be equity. Mm. But um, these concepts of then who you are in it, how you are in it, and what 
you how 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 folks move through particularly I like particularly their art practice yeah with a shifted concept of what is central mm. and that has to be a gentle process yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think the last thing I, I kind of wanted to point out is, you know, you've done a whole bunch of stuff from writing, acting, a social activist, uh, directing, all that sort of stuff. But to bring you to this, why did this need to be said now mm. and in the way that you are? Yeah. With these workshops, I guess I started doing a few things and it's sort of like people really have come to me and said, can we do this further. again. Okay. They've been one of the most popular things I've ever done, okay. which I find extraordinary. <laughs> and so it's using me just responding to the community saying, I'd like to do this now. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of been my whole career. Like I'll mm. put out something artistic and then someone will say, oh, do you want to run a workshop? And I'll go, there's something I really want to run a workshop about. And yeah. I really want to um, really keep riffing on this idea of decolonization, which yeah. is you know, coming from a sort of global First Nations perspective, yeah. you know. Um, it feels like, yeah, it's just sort of like your marching orders or something when someone says, I, we, we need this as a community. Totally. And then you put it out there and then it sort of probably overbooks a little bit and we've got to work out where to do it again and again. Mm. Are we doing some stuff in um, around Black Dot and the that little site works area with yep. and also pre- presents later on in the year. Fantastic. Because um, I happen to be uh, on a TV mentorship with <laughs> the folks from Blackish and back and forth with that cool. to make content. And my next sort of step is to try and see how I put this consciousness into a platform like television. Totally. Which, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Anyway, well, thank you so much for coming into the show and yeah. talking to us about your show. Of course, the show, to remind you, is uh, Decolonize and Moisturize. I'll be playing at 1 o'clock tomorrow. Yeah, so it's a workshop. It's a workshop, but sorry, yes. But the show show is um, on Friday night. On Friday night. Which is a really nice fit because then yeah. you can just dance it out with all the people that oh, you I love. I love the idea know. of creating the environment to like get ideas flowing and then... Just bringing all those into yeah. one space and just and having a idea market. Active listening, I'm sorry, I should have said active listening is a really big part of it. And mm-hmm. so I've curated a beautiful spoken word, um, a crew of spoken word artists to move through all of the music oh. on on Friday night. So, so every gold. skill you learn in the workshop, you can like live See. and dream. <laughs> on can we get the name and the details of that performance oh, on Friday yeah, night? Yeah, so it's Nocturnal X for Midsummer and at Melbourne Museum. Uh, doors open at 7 mm-hmm. and um, headlining act is a queer artist from South Africa, Nakane. Uh, Okenyo, who I actually <laughs> studied at NIDA with, Zinzi, <laughs> me and Zinzi on the same bill, I love it. Um, and then my artist includes the music, Vuli from True Vibe Nation, which is exciting because he's just about to move to Berlin, so he's going to perform before he leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, Dorcas from Oz Africa TV, Lani Yuk and Eric Avery. Uh, who else? I always just put my dream lineups together. People start going, "What?" I love it. I love curating. <laughs> so go, I'm just put every. Oh my favorite! My favorite! <laughs> it's gonna be so big. I was like, "Yeah." They, are they gonna get us out of the green room? We're just partying in there. There's like almost 20 people on this bill. You've actually secretly just made your own party. Yes. <laughs> There's like, other people are invited oh, to it, but it's in your party. Cocoa Butter Club are playing as well. Oh. So I'm like, your queer, like black and brown dreams will come true. Yeah. <laughs> On Friday night. Friday night. Um, Tickets on Midsummer. Just summer. putting it out there. Yeah. I mean, don't market it like.
like that. That's a terrible thing, but like it just sounds like <laughs> a mixer or something. But no, it's a it's gonna be one of those big moments. Sounds and fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds yeah. really amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. No worries. Um, yeah, we're going to put on a few community announcements, Will? Well, we actually only have three minutes left, oh, so I think it might actually be worth us ending the show in the way that we do. The way it's, if you don't know Candy, the way that oh. we end our shows is we talk about something that we're grateful for. Oh. Just to bring us we into start, a sort of a positive way. It's just like the it. last few weeks, so mm-hmm. I, I thought I'm, I might start if that's okay. Last night well. I saw my niece for the first time um, in video form. Um, I haven't met her in person yet. <laughs> I'm really excited too soon. But um, she's got these beautiful little like chubby arms <laughs> and then halfway up there's like an extra little crease because she's so chubby. <laughs> yes. And I love it. I just I just really want to like squish her face. Oh, and, no. uh, and you can see some of my sister in her and mm. some of my, my brother-in-law. It's just amazing. That's, that's yeah. fantastic. That's fantastic. How about you? Um, I'm grateful, I think, for friends reaching out. I had a friend who I was very close with in high school, mm-hmm. and we haven't talked much last year because of different lives, mm. reach out to me and be like, hey, let's go for a walk this morning. Hey. Oh, that was awesome. Rekindling. Beautiful. Wow. Yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was really lovely. Mm. And you're welcome to share something if you want to. Oh, um, yes. Not to put you um, on the spot. That's <laughs> all right. Um, I'm really... It's so interesting. I was walking here. I turned 40 on Wednesday, and I sort of... I'm really grateful for age <laughs> and um, some some things that help define like you know I just feel like I'm almost instantly take no more shit like give no fucks <laughs> mm. I'm really grateful for just having that revelation and, and feeling very centered in that fantastic I love that I, I and I look at my nieces and stuff and I think one day one day you will reach the like yeah. Oh, one day yeah. I will reach out. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward. Beautiful. Here's to getting older. Here's yeah. to another Wednesday mm-hmm. and many more Wednesdays. Um, I hope you folks listening at home have a wonderful week. Mm. Um, you've been listening, listening to Wednesday Breakfast. Next up is Stick Together. Stick together. Stay tuned. 3CR relies on the support of ethical organisations to keep our vital community of voices on air. And we'd like to thank our breakfast supporters, the new international bookshop, Nibs, at Trades Hall, and eco-friendly paper and printing outfit, Earth Greetings. You can check them out at nibs.org.au and earthgreetings.com.au. And if you'd like more information on how your organisation can become a 3CR supporter, contact the station on 03 9419 You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.